Hello and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm Laura Horton and I'm here with the lovely Michael Bentley. Hello, thank you very much for listening. Hi everybody, thank you for joining us. It is June. Wow. <laughs> yes, wow. <laughs> you know what, this year has really flown, hasn't it? It really has mo- moved. I think it's because we've had such gorgeous weather and everybody's just been really busy, haven't they? And, and achieving a lot. Yeah, and I just can't, I feel like that I make myself sound really old for saying this, but hasn't the year just flown by? It's the kind of thing like your mum says, but, (laughs) you know, and as you get older, the months pass even quicker, but, you know, the reality of it is, it is June, people. So the good news there is that so many are hopefully about to have holidays uh, for all of our Irish listeners. June's always a great time for you guys to be going away for your school holidays are, are different to ours. And then we have a huge uh, chunk of time out uh, in, in England and uh, July and August. So there's lots of people about to go on holidays and a lot of excitement in the air, a lot of you know positive thoughts. People are, are ready for a break and looking forward to some quality time, I think. So... So that's really good. And I think the other thing to really focus on, as it is June, uh, is that the world has not ended with the uh, GDPR regulation. Hooray, the world did not end. And um, has anything actually changed? (laughs) Yeah, you know, so we have had so many questions for this month's hangout about GDPR. So as always, a huge thank you to everyone who sent their questions through. Now, I think we said this last time, maybe we could dedicate a whole podcast to GDPR, but we're not going to. I think the most popular question that's come up, we want to answer for you today. So here's a summary of what we're going to be answering questions on in this month's podcast. So the first one is about confirming appointments in line with GDPR. We've had two questions come through about emergencies, um, treating emergency patients. So I'm going to put those together because that will be a really nice answer that we can help support many practices with. And we have then had a uh, question about charging late patients. And that's how we'll finish today's podcast. So let's get straight to it. Let's talk about confirming patients appointments. Um, It would be absolutely, you know, a real problem for your business if you switched off and hopefully you haven't switched off text messages and, you you know, you're still reminding patients is the key thing here. And you do not need consent to remind patients of their appointments. And this is where everyone's getting mixed up. And this really comes from taking perhaps the incorrect advice, listening to bits here and there. Hopefully, you know, you've done a lot of research. I know there are a lot of people who haven't. We did a course just last week and it's where do you start was one of the questions. So we know a lot of people actually haven't done anything. And now they're like, ah, panic mode. What I really want to stress is that confirming patients appointments you do not need consent for. It is a legitimate interest. Now, we said in our last podcast, hey, this is a great opportunity to find out how patients do want to hear you you know you might have a lot of patients you're telephoning and actually they want an email or text message so when patients are coming in and they're filling in your new form definitely have that on the form because it's a great opportunity to find out exactly what works for your patients but by all means you should not have stopped confirming appointments it is expected therefore it's a legitimate interest so definitely have a good look um, about legitimate interest and what that means and 
I think it's been a huge worry for people, hasn't it, Mike, that they can't confirm appointments anymore? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think GDPR, as you quite rightly said, you know, on our patient experience course, that actually most enterprises are very far in terms of actually safeguarding patients and not breaching data protection. And it wouldn't be many dental practices that actually do sell their patient lists to somebody um, and give a third party data to use for something you know, different. That's not the type of industry that we're in. I just want to say really that you know, you've got a golden opportunity here to do something that we have been talking about with practices for a long time. And really, this is what I want you to take back. You have the opportunity now to confirm to all of your patients how they want to be communicated by and what is effective for their lifestyles because if you think about it over the last number of years there are various ways we can contact our patients now and actually it's a it's a good time to do a reset and actually go do you know what we're presuming, Laura, you want to have a text message. We're presuming you want to have an email. We're presuming you want to have a phone call because you're a bit older. Actually, in reality, how do you want to be contacted by? So in your practices, yes, the only thing that you actually need to do is if you are doing marketing your, to your patients, that's the only thing that you actually need to be sorting out with your patients if you want to be doing marketing moving forward. And if you're not doing that, that's the bit that you've definitely got to do. But everything else is actually something that you can and can't do. But I think if you want to do marketing on patients, you need to be talking to a patient about almost like a holistic approach, really, which is actually talking about all of the ways that we communicate patients for. So I would confirm how they want to be contacted for a call reminder, ask them how they want to be contacted if you want to do a follow-up call after a clinical treatment or get in contact with a patient after a clinical treatment. If you need to rearrange an appointment because something has happened at the practice, how would a patient like to receive that communication? Things like patient feedback, you know, is actually, you know, for the UK market definitely is a CQC requirement. So actually it does fall under legitimate interest, but it is something that again, you can ask patients, how would you like to receive a patient feedback form? Because we do need your feedback, it is a requirement. And then you can build on your marketing uh, questions as well, like sending out a newsletter. Obviously, if you send a newsletter out and it's got no marketing in it whatsoever and it's just an information newsletter, then again, you could say that was legitimate interest. So you have got some options here. And lastly, what I want to say is you've got a really great thing that you can do with patients, which is actually most patients like somebody else be able to phone up and confirm appointments, talk about clinical treatment plans and to you do confirmation and, and things like that. And we are prevented from doing that in practices because we can't give out that detail if we haven't got authorization from a patient. So my recommendation is you do that, uh, you cover that and the co consent for communication all in one form. So on this form, you actually get people nominated that your patients want will allow their chosen people to be contacted by and that might be a parent it might be you know a partner it might be a pa for an example so there are a number of options here and this will really help with your communication moving forward as well that there's authorization and um, confirmed consent and if patients refuse 
to give you consent, which some patients definitely will, then the ball is definitely in their court with confirmation calls and things like that. And if they are then late or don't turn up for appointment, then you've definitely got some ammo on your side, which is when you filled out your communication form, you didn't want us to contact you by email or phone or by text message or by letter. So therefore, that's the reason why we haven't been able to confirm the appointment that you've booked with us for next week at two o'clock or whatever it may be. That's about as much detail as I want to go into it. Yes, there are some changes that you'll need to have made to your website. Hopefully you've done that already. If you haven't, you need to be contacting your website companies and you've got some work to do as well. And the other piece of advice that we've got, Laura, is about don't listen to any old GDPR person. It's got to be a dental person that you listen That's to, you know, people yeah. that have that experience. Absolutely. And that's where, again, practices have been falling down. Um, you know, the lady that I used, for example, is a data protection lawyer and she's very much been dealing with all businesses. So the advice that she's given wouldn't be great for dental practice. Our level of data protection is already so high, as we know. Um, we have also had questions coming through to us saying, well, you've recommended that we use code or BDA. I don't particularly want yeah. to sign up to them. Is there someone you can recommend who is, um, you know, not a big company that can help us with just this one area yeah. that question's come through quite a lot now i have um come across a lady who is also a practice manager and she's got the data protection qualifications um to support and help people she can also be an external um data protection officer as well now michael and i just to let all our listeners know we only ever recommend companies that we've actually used ourselves but in this instance i'm going to give out this lady's details because i think she's going to be able to help and support so many uh, throughout the eu that are in dental practice because that's yeah. that her niche area and i think it's a fantastic thing that she's done so yeah. her name is lisa and the website is achievingcompliance.co.uk so Check her out. If you're not part of Code BDA, don't want to join like so many have messaged us, then uh, check out Lisa. I've spoken to her on the phone. Nice lady. Um, you know, you can have a good good chat with her. Uh, she seems very professional, which is obviously very important. But it's achievingcompliance.co.uk. And Lisa might be able to help you in your practice. Yeah, and I just want to say, Laura, that we do know that, you know, although we've been uh, very focused on the patient uh, there, that we do know that there are other things uh, to yeah. do in dental practice to support GDPR. And that's to do with, you know, uh, staff, you know, uh, it, records and all the records that we have. And also, you know, talking about the labs and talking about, you know, referrals at the moment, you know, the mm -hmm. advice being that you know don't do anything you know with practices that are referring into you at this point but those changes might have to be made uh, but actually what information is given over to labs actually what information you give over could that be different so instead of giving a patient name uh, for an example it might just be their reference number that you give to the lab moving forward those are all decisions that you'll have to make personally in practice with the information that you have and then the other thing i just want to say is of course you know with contractors and things like that and you've done a lot of work on our side which i'll let you talk about in a minute laura you know about people that are working with you um yeah. 
know, and supporting your practices, yes, we need to make sure that you're safe in that area as well. And I'll let Laura uh, talk about that uh, as well. So there are a number of things to do. And we also know that those practices that you have got NHS, you have got a little bit more work to do as well, because you're going to have to sign somebody to be responsible. And there are some additional things that you need to do, uh, which, you know, has been around for a while. That's not a new thing either. But, you know, there are a few extra bits and pieces. So if you're not sure, do get advice from the right people. Um, as Laura and I say, we're not GDP GDPR experts. Obviously, we work with so many practices very closely and we've been helping our practices over the last couple of months, you know, with GDPR. But um, just just double, double, double check with people that know what they're talking about. And that advice that you've just given, that number is great. And as you say, you know, Coder also uh, very with it, I would say, on this. Oh, yeah. And you've been doing something for practices, which I think is important, actually. Yeah, really, I just wanted to take the headache for our clients um, away. So anyone who comes into your dental practice needs to sign a subcontractor consent for processing data because they are likely to come in contact with data. And Michael and I definitely come in contact with our clients' data. So um, therefore, you need us to sign. If we were coming to your practice, you need us to sign a subcontractor consent form. And um, basically what I did, I thought, well, let me just take the headache of this from our clients, um, you know, rather than asking them for it. I've created it and it's gone out to all our clients. Um, and I think that's the other thing, maybe just sort of a top tip. There's something fantastic called EchoSign, um, which you can use for electronic contracts. It just saves so much hassle. You know, people don't have to print, sign, scan, email back, you know, echo sign is wonderful. And it's something like, you know, £100 for, for a year, but you also get free options. But check that out. That'll be good for subcontractor consent. And I think the last thing really just that I want to say on this is uh, there is a computer software system that's got the checkbox, you know, and this came from a recording that I was listening to. Uh, a TCO recording and the TCO was just going through it you know as a checklist essentially and saying and, and what she did was she grouped everything together so she said do you want to receive emails about feedback surveys newsletters offers and promotions and the patients were all saying no and that's where my feedback to them was well don't jump all that into one as Michael said you know feedback is absolutely important and essential to the business um, and it needs to be separate you know surveys and feedback need to be a separate consent um, area for your patients so yeah, that's the last thing because the CQC demand those actually that does become a legitimate interest for definitely the UK clients because that's yeah. actually requirement to get that type of feedback but I would add everything onto the form because what you want to make is it it's a rounded approach isn't it you don't wow. you don't want to just say to the patients it's all about marketing you know yeah. you do and every patient that you meet over the next six months is going to feel a little bit cross so if you could if you make it more than just about marketing and you add all the other areas and you deliver it with you know great verbal skills and that's what we've been doing on practice isn't it actually giving them the verbal skills Laura yeah. and that, you know it's really important that if it's presented in the right way and you also get authorization for you know somebody else you know actually you are helping and supporting your patients and they will not throw it back at you if you're doing it that way. I think the bit that's, you know, been tiring over everybody is, you know, getting 100 emails a day. So if you're that practice, then perhaps some of your patients are a little bit miffed because you're one of like 100 or 200 emails have been getting mm. per day, which has not been uh, that suitable. 
no it's not and so many people have got it wrong as well like it's really interesting I found it very interesting looking at emails that are coming through where people are asking me to opt in when I know I've opted in myself anyway you haven't bought my name you know uh you know <laughs> I don't know let me give an example here without you know making my uh, life look hilarious at lookfantastic.co.uk where I get all my products from for example I sign up to get their you know buy today and say 15% use this code they've never bought my name they've never spammed me and yet not so many companies have asked me to re-opt in when I've already opted in um, and so many people have got it wrong and this is where all this misadvice is just really stressful I think for people you know where we've got you know the wrong advice going out there and I'm very confident that you know I've spent a huge amount of time on GDPR without a doubt for well we have for our practices and I have for Horton Consulting um, and I've really looked into everything so I feel quite confident with with that our privacy notice is updated on the website if you'd like to see it shall we move on yes let's do let's do because we spent about 13 minutes on that wow um, uh, I know so we could do a whole podcast really couldn't we now we won't though. we won't <laughs> don't worry everybody we won't right Mer emergency appointments so I've had two questions come through let's group this into one and talk about dealing with emergency patients so the first question is should we have set times for emergency spaces e.g put blocks in the diary for emergency and should we rotate the times so it's fair to patients the second question then is about new patients should we be accepting them I find it very stressful when we have new patient emergencies two concerns one the amount of time it takes as they're a new patient uh, and two, the the fees not being appropriate. Um, so we shall now discuss emergencies because it's a conversation that we have a lot with our clients and on courses. It's all we always discuss it. It's always asked because emergencies can ruin your day. And really, I, I'm, I would say in all honesty, and I'm not being disrespectful to anyone here, I am still so surprised at how many practices do not have blocks for emergencies. And if they do, how the number of those that are then using them, you know, for something else. Um, I, I just I think it's time that everyone needs to get organized now. And hopefully listening to this podcast will help you get organized because it is a fact of dental life that you are going to have patients that need an emergency appointment without a doubt. So the first thing is you need a system, don't you? Who is an emergency? Because it's not Mr. Smith who broke a tooth three weeks ago and he's ringing today because it's his day off. So it's convenient for him. I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, that's not an emergency. You're not going to have one of my precious spaces. Um, so, you know, you definitely need to have a system of who is an emergency, what does an emergency look like? So it's pain, it's swelling, the patient's been up all night, a recent crown, it is a damaged front tooth, even if it's not in pain, because I'm telling you now that'd be a world class emergency to me if I chipped a front tooth, even if there wasn't any pain, that is definitely an emergency. Um, so you've got to have this system. And then the thing with systems, and again, something else Michael and I talk about all the time is the team being able to use those systems with autonomy. 
So I'm just going to stress right now that you do need to have times blocked in your diary for emergency appointments. The time should not rotate around to suit the patients. If it's an emergency, they'll be there. And those of you who do have slots, so many do that before lunch, give yourselves a break and do it after lunch. It's the most unpopular time of the day. Uh, you're usually running late before lunch anyway. Hopefully you're not, but most are. So it's all very stressful having emergencies before lunch. Definitely book them after. And then I'm going to hand over to Michael now to talk about, you know, new patients, existing patients and the systems there. So I'll, I'll pause, Michael, and hand over to you. Oh, thank you very much. So eloquently put. Yeah, the important thing is with new patients is that you need at least half an hour. And what you mustn't do is it must be an appointment that is on hourly rate. So these appointments need to be at the right price for your practices. Now, from an average across the UK, you're probably looking at an emergency patient if you dedicate half an hour to that appointment, that that appointment is going to be at least 150 to 200 pounds and I'm going to let you have a moment to swallow with those figures because what you'll say is, is that nobody will pay 150 to 200 pounds for a new patient emergency. I am going to say to you that you need to trust Laura and I and that actually that is right and it would be right for the Irish market to be charging 150 euros as well. And the reason for that is, is that, first of all, you need to go, have you got the capacity for new patient emergencies? So if you are already a busy practice and you haven't scheduled the right amount of emergencies in your diary, then I just ask you, do you even have options for newer patient emergencies? Or another question, do you want slots for new patient emergencies? And if your answer to all of those questions, yes, I do want to have them, then you need to diary zone them, as Laura says, because some practice said to us, well, we do want those type of patients. Well, great, that's wonderful. But then you need to actually have those slots available for use. And once you've done that, what you need to confirm then with the front desk is that you need to say what's going to happen in that appointment. So it's, you know, it's time to do a diagnosis of the one concern that you have. So it's not a consultation to do a full mouth assessment. It's looking at one problem. Then you need to be able to get that patient out of pain within that half an hour, however you feel that that's suitable. And then you need to give a treatment plan to the patient for the long term solution. So there are a number of things to do. And some practices say, well, why do you make it a half an hour appointment? Because you've got to confirm the medical history. You've got to understand, you know, the patient's concern and then you've got to do the diagnosis and then you've got to present some options to a patient and then do some treatment to get the patient out of pain. And I do mean get them out of pain, not start doing a permanent uh, filling here for an example. You need to do something temporary and then give them a suitable treatment plan. And the important thing behind this is, is that you need to make sure that your treatment plan is right, that the patient has got the right time to make a decision and if you think about somebody that has got an abscess you do need to try and reduce their pain so they can make the right decision later on and you know I know that Laura and I have faced patients that when they're in excruciating pain they just say get the tooth out but two or three weeks later they've now regretted their decision but because they're in so much pain they made that decision on the day so by giving you half an hour you should have the opportunity, if it is an abscess, 
to provide a local anaesthetic you know I would try and do it as quickly as you can because that will start to get the patient out of pain and then you can have a more you know detailed conversation and hopefully then you can open the tooth for the patient to actually reduce that problem are you happy with that Laura is there anything you want to add to that no absolutely that's right yeah and it, it is a you've got to answer that question do we want them have we got the space for new patient emergencies and if it's a no it's a no don't feel bad about that if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you Absolutely. don't feel that you have to have those patients and I think the other thing is who's the priority if you've got spaces is your existing patients have the priority absolutely so the, you know the diary zone is all very important some people build their businesses on new patient emergencies and will say to us that we convert so many of those patients because they're nervous into becoming patients for life I totally agree with you you know I've definitely done that in my practice but you need to start the way that you mean to go on yeah, that's the most important thing. The second thing is with existing patients, you need to be training your front, front desk to do triage, not answer clinical questions, but to do triage for them to understand what it sounds like in terms of how much time they think the patient might need. So with the existing patients, I would recommend that you have at least one 30 minute slot available per day for existing patients and you can have a scattering then of like whatever number of appointments that you need for your practice two or three more appointments for an example of 15 minutes for the emergencies that don't need so much time so if somebody has chipped their tooth then what you may do is see the patient for a 15 minute appointment confirm that they have yeah laura you have definitely chipped that tooth what i'm going to do is i'm just going to make that smooth for you laura so it doesn't cut your tongue and it's not irritating to you and i've done a treatment plan here to plan your permanent treatment bob's your billy uh, the appointment sorted where dentists go wrong is they try and do the treatment in that 15 minutes that's why you get the nurse looks that's why the rest of your day starts to run late and you mustn't do that yeah if you if you can't manage that within 15 minutes then you're going to have to do a 20 minute emergency appointment that's your clinical decision you know we're not dentists you know i'm not going to dictate to you how long you have i'm only going to recommend so 15 to 20 minutes seems to be the norm for existing patients if again it's nerve related you need that's why you need the half an hour appointment we don't want the desk saying it sounds like it's an abscess it sounds like this is going to happen because we don't want to frighten the patient but if it does sound like it's an abscess at least the front desk can then book a half an hour appointment so that hopefully you can you know you can open the tooth and you know and deal with the the pressure pain that the patient has and again it's up to you whether you do that or whether you prescribe antibiotics and you know again that's a clinical decision and you know things seem to be moving away quite rapidly from antibiotics but i do understand in some cases there may be the appropriate action for the patient so you've got lots of things you know to weigh up there you know and if you when you are doing training of these systems with the, on the desk remember to confirm that they're doing things correctly because that will give them confidence yeah so when you're booking appointments make sure that you are you are saying you know there was four emergency availability today they've all been booked as suitable and we've got some great clinical notes to give us a head start in surgery thank you very much because the nurses will be thankful to have that information and the desk will have confidence then that how they're booking the emergencies is working well if obviously they have made an error you can point it out or you know talk to them about the conversation they have with the patient you know so they can get it right in the future and that's really important that they do that is there anything more that you want to add 
Yeah, I would just say if you're thinking, well, where do we start? I would do an audit first of all. So I'd go back three months through the diary and I'd have a look at all the patients that you currently have as double squeezed in. Um, have a look and say, well, were they a genuine emergency? And do a little audit so you can see because I know every practice is different. And for, for me, the practices, I mean, the first practice I've, I ever worked in, Monday was horrendous for um, emergencies. Yeah. But after that, every all the other practices was Fridays, Friday afternoon. Oh, they're just, you know, again, why? Because it's convenient for people. But you've got to answer, was it a genuine emergency? So, you know, you've got the right amount of space. And also, it doesn't matter um, if the patient, you know, belongs to Dr. Smith, but it's Dr. Jones that's got an appointment. Just book them with Dr. Jones. You know, this is, again, another classic um, system uh, that needs to be implemented so the team can act with autonomy and if the patient's going oh no but I really want to see Dr Smith well Dr Smith doesn't have an availability today but Dr Jones does he or she will be able to get you out of pain you know all, these are all things for you to think about and I perhaps do it as a team exercise start it at the management level and then take it to the team something nice and juicy for your next team meeting I think the last thing to say really is that emergencies can absolutely ruin everybody's day. And from a patient point of view, why should I be kept waiting for an appointment because you've squeezed an emergency in because you know you're gonna get them, but you don't book spaces. It's a bit like Christmas, isn't it? We know it's gonna happen. It happens every year. And it's the same with emergencies, they happen. You're going to get them. So be proactive, move things along. But two lovely yeah. questions that were sent through um, on that. And it is about being proactive with emergencies and it's about knowing the amount that you need per day. And if you do the average amount per day that you need in the practice, you're quite like, right, Laura, you'll get more on a Monday and Tuesday than probably on a Wednesday and Thursday. And normally Friday's a bit of a mixed bag, so you might mm. not all of those emergencies but if you haven't if you haven't used them all by you know 11 o'clock then you've got the opportunity to look in your you know we call it a priority diary but you know maybe you'd call it as a cancellation list in practice then you start bringing you know other things forward and they might be an opportunity for a new patient just saying so that might be the opportunity to have a new patient emergency if all your emergencies for existing patients have not been booked and we know they're not going to be booked uh, every day you know it's just one of those things that you actually need to go well it's better to have it than not have it yeah um, and that's really important and it will stop your double bookings the last piece of advice I've got is that some practices will then say if we've run out of the allocations that we've got and we've got a patient that phones quite late in the day what do we do with them now you know we have this as a question on Thursday don't mm -hmm. we what if they phone at yeah. five o'clock for an emergency and we close at half five great question actually and the important thing is is you actually say that you know we release all the emergency appointments at eight o'clock in the morning so you've got two options now we either you can either use the out of hours emergency service because it is now five o'clock and the charge for doing that is whatever it may be and you know normally you're looking at at least what 150 200 uh, pounds euros mm -hmm. to do that depending on yep. the practice it is and the arrangements that you've got for your practice or the patient can wait to the following day and call at eight o'clock or nine o'clock when you open to, to book one of the emergencies for that next day what practices must not do is go well we know that they're phoning tomorrow so we'll book that now 
because that's what practices do. In the afternoon, they start booking the next day's emergencies, and mm. then they and, and then it, that is when the cycle's broken because then you find that actually all of tomorrow's are booked. We're now into Wednesday, then you're into Thursday. Before you know when you are, you're four days booked, and all the emergency spaces that you put have already been used. Yeah. So definitely. you've got to be strong here, really, yeah. really. Yeah, great definitely. question though. Media yeah. emergencies, love yeah, emergency. keep sending them through because um, so everyone's in a different situation. So keep sending them through and we'll help you without a doubt. Right, the last question we've got a couple of minutes to answer this. Can we charge patients that are late for their appointments and therefore can't be seen? Oh, finally, Michael, someone who's speaking our language. <laughs> well, not finally, but yay, someone who's speaking our language because late patients again they just ruin the day there's so many things that can ruin your day and it's always typical isn't it you're running on time a patient's late and the front desk will go into the treatment room and say oh you know he's he or she's here now can you still see them and the dentist goes oh i suppose so better and the dentist doesn't want the patient to think that they've said no it's all very awkward um, and also, you know who these late patients are. You look at your day list and you know they're going to be late. They are people that run their lives late. You've got people that are early, people that are bang on time. That's Mark and I, and people that are late. And, you know, you, they, they need to have, you know, a charge, essentially, if they've done this a couple of times. They're wasting surgery time. You can't see them. And I know this is probably going to prompt and hopefully does prompt more questions on late patients because we literally have 60 seconds left to help you here. But in short, yes, patients that are late for their appointments, once they've done it more than once and you can't see them and they're wasting surgery time, without a doubt, charge them. Michael, anything you'd like to add? No, I think that might be a good pause <laughs> to actually talk more about that maybe in July's podcast, actually, because I know we've had a couple more questions around this. And I think we have naturally come to the end of our time for june we have most definitely thank you all for listening your questions are great um please keep sending them in we answer as many as we can we have already had to bump some over to july so i'm so sorry if we haven't been able to answer your question this month um we do have a couple already bumped over to july and uh, thank you ever so much for listening and we'll be in touch with you again next month we will have a great rest of june everyone <laughs> take care bye Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.